Section 23 of the Notebooks of Samuel Butler. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. The Notebooks of Samuel Butler, edited by Henry Festing Jones. Chapter 17 Material for a Projected Sequel to Alps and Sanctuaries, Part 2. The Imperfect Lady. There was one at a country house in Sicily where I was staying. She had been lent to my host for change of air by his friend, the Marchese. She dined at table with us, and we all liked her very much. She was extremely pretty, and not less amiable than pretty. In order to reach the dining-room, we had to go through her bedroom as also through my host's. When the Monsieur came, she dined with us just the same, and the old priest evidently did not mind at all. In Sicily they do not bring the scent of the incense across the dining-room table, and one would hardly expect the attempt to be made by people who use the oath Santo Diavolo. Siena and San Gimignano At Siena last spring, prowling round outside the cathedral, we saw an English ecclesiastic in a stringed sub-shovel hat. He had a young lady with him, presumably a daughter or niece. He eyed us with much the same incurious curiosity as that with which we eyed him. We passed them and went inside the Duomo. How far less impressive is the interior, indeed I had almost said also the exterior, than that of San Domenico. Nothing palls so soon as over-ornamentation. A few minutes afterwards my lord and the young lady came in too. It was Sunday and Mass was being celebrated. The pair passed us, and when they reached the fringe of the kneeling folk, the bishop knelt down too on the bare floor, kneeling bolt upright from the knees, a few feet in front of where we stood. We saw him, and I am sure he knew we were looking at him. The lady seemed to hesitate, but after a minute or so she knuckled down by his side, and we left them kneeling bolt upright from the knees on the hard floor. I always cross myself and genuflect when I go into a Roman Catholic church, as a mark of respect, but Jones and Gauguin say that any one can see I am not an old hand at it. How rudimentary is the action of an old priest! I saw one once at Venice in the dining-room of the Hotel La Luna, who crossed himself by a rapid motion of his fork just before he began to eat and Miss Bertha Thomas told me she saw an Italian lady at Varallo at the table d'hôte cross herself with her fan. I do not cross myself before eating, nor do I think it incumbent upon me to kneel down on the hard floor in church, perhaps because I am not an English bishop. We were sorry for this one and for his young lady, but it was their own doing. We then went into the Liberia to see the frescoes by Pinturico, which we did not like and spent some little time in attending to them. On leaving we were told to sign our names in a book, and did so. As we were going out we met the bishop and his lady coming in. Whether they had been kneeling all the time, or whether they had got up as soon as we were gone, and had spent time in looking round, I cannot say. But when they had seen the frescoes, they would be told to sign their names, and when they signed they would see ours, and, I flatter myself, know who we were. On returning to our hotel, we were able to collect enough information to settle in our own minds which particular bishop he was. A day or two later we went to Poggibonzi, which must have been an important place once. Nothing but the walls remain now, the city within them having been raised by Charles V. 
at the station we took a carriage and our driver ulysses pogni was a delightful person second baritone in the pogibolzny opera and principal fly owner of the town he drove us up to san gimigano and told us that the people still hold the figures in benzo gozli's frescoes to be portraits of themselves and say that's me and that's so and so of course we went to see the frescoes and as we were coming down the main street from the piazza on which the municipal stands who should be mounting the incline but our bishop and his lady the moment he saw us he looked cross stood still and began inspecting the tops of the houses on the other side of the street so also did the lady there was nothing of the smallest interest in these and we neither of us had the smallest doubt that he was embarrassed at meeting us and was pretending not to notice us i have seldom seen any like attempt more clumsily and fatuously done whether he was saying to himself good lord that wretch will be putting my kneeling down into another alps and sexuaries or ex voto or whether it was only that we were a couple of blackguard atheists who contaminated the air all around us i cannot tell but on venturing to look back a second or two after we had passed them the bishop and the lady had got a considerable distance away as we returned our driver took us about four kilometers outside pogabanzi to san lucese a church of the twelfth or thirteenth century greatly decayed but still very beautiful and containing a few naif frescoes he told us he had sung the sanctus here at the festa on the preceding sunday in a room adjoining the church formerly we were told a refractory there is a very good fresco representing the miraculous draught of fishes by gerino da pistoja i think but one forgets these names at once unless one writes them down then and there it is dated i think again about 1509 betrays the influence of perugino but is more lively and interesting than anything i know by that painter for i cannot call him master it is in good preservation and deserves to be better though perhaps not very much better known that it is our driver pointed out that the baskets in which the fishes are being collected are portraits of the baskets still in use in the neighborhood after we had returned to london we found in the royal academy exhibition a portrait of our bishop which though not good was quite good enough to assure us that we had not been mistaken as to his diocese the etruscan urns at volterra as regards the way in which the etruscan artists kept to a few stock subjects this has been so in all times and countries when christianity convulsed the world and displaced the older mythology she did but introduce new subjects of her own to which her artists kept as closely as their pagan ancestors had kept to their heathen gods and goddesses we now make believe to have freed ourselves from these trammels but the departure is more apparent than real our works of art fall into a few well-marked groups and the pictures of each group though differing in detail present the same general characters we have however broken much new ground whereas until the last three or four hundred years it almost seems either as if artists had thought subject a detail beneath their notice or publics had insisted on being told only what they knew already the principle of living only to see and to hear some new thing and the other principle of avoiding everything with which we are not perfectly familiar are equally old equally universal equally useful they are the principles of conservation and accumulation on the one hand and of adventure speculation and progress on the other 
each equally indispensable but money has been and will probably always be more persistently in the hands of the first of these two groups but after all is not money an art nay is it not the most difficult on earth and the parent of all and if life is short and art long is not money still longer and are not works of art for the most part more or less works of money also in so far as a work of art is a work of money it must not complain of being bound by the laws of money in so far as it is a work of art it has nothing to do with money and again cannot complain it is a great help to the spectator to know the subject of a picture and not to be bothered with having to find out all about the story subjects should be such as either tell their own story instantly on the face of them or things with which all spectators may be supposed familiar it must not be forgotten that a work exposed to public view is addressed to a great many people and should accordingly consider many people rather than one i saw an english family not long since looking at a fine collection of the coins of all nations they hardly pretended even to take a languid interest in the french german dutch and italian coins but brightened up at once on being shown a shilling a florin and a half crown so children do not want new stories they look for old ones mamma dear will you please tell us the story of the three bears no my love not to-day i have told it to you very often lately and i am busy very well mamma dear then we will tell you the story of the three bears the iliad and the odyssey are only the three bears upon a larger scale just as the life of a man is only the fission of two amoebas on a larger scale qui non dictus ilas puer et latonia delos that was no argument against telling it again but rather for repeating it so people look out in the newspapers for what they know rather than for what they do not know and the better they know it the more interested they are to see it in print and as a general rule unless they get what they expect or think they know already they are angry this tendency of our nature culminates in the well-known lines repeated forever and ever the battle of the nile i was there all the while i was there all the while at the battle of the nile the battle of and so on ad lib even this will please very young children as they grow older they want to hear about nothing but the three bears as they mature still further they want the greater invention and freer play of fancy manifested by such people as homer and our west end upholsterers beyond which there is no liberty but only eccentricity and extravagance so it is with all fashion fashions change but not radically except after convulsion and even then the change is more apparent than real the older fashions continually coming back as new ones so it is not only as regards choice of subject but also as regards treatment of subject within the limits of work itself after the subject is chosen no matter whether the utterance of a man's inner mind is attempted by way of words painting or music the same principle underlines all these three arts and of course also those arts that are akin to them in each case a man should have but one subject easily recognizable as the main motive and in each case he must develop treat and illustrate this by means of episodes and details that are neither so alien to the subject as to appear lugged in by the heels nor yet so germane to it as to be identical the treatment grows out of the subject as the family from the parents and the race from the family each newborn member being the same and yet not the same with those that have preceded him 
so it is with all the arts and all the sciences they flourish best by the addition of but little new at a time in comparison with the old and so lastly it is with the ars artium itself that art of arts and science of sciences that guild of arts and crafts which is comprised within each one of us i mean our bodies in the detail they are nourished from day to day by food which must not be too alien from past food or from the body itself nor yet too germane to either and in the gross that is to say in the history of the development of a race or species the evolution is admittedly for the most part exceedingly gradual by means of many generations as it were of episodes that are kindred to and yet not identical with the subject and when we come to think of it we find in the evolution of bodily form which along with modification involves persistence of type the explanation why persistence of type in subjects chosen for treatment in works of art should be so universal it is because we are so averse to great changes and at the same time so adverse to no change at all that we have a bodily form in the main persistent and yet at the same time capable of modifications without a strong aversion to change its habits and with its habits the pabulum of its mind there would be no fixity of type in any species and indeed there would be no life at all as we are accustomed to think of life for organs would disappear before they could be developed and to try to build life on such a shifting foundation would be as hopeless as it would be to try and build a material building on an actual quicksand hence the habits cries abodes food hopes and fears of each species and what are these but the realities of which human arts are as the shadow tell the same old tales in the same old ways from generation to generation and it is only because they do so that they appear to us as species at all returning now to the etruscan cinerary urns i have no doubt that perhaps three or four thousand years hence a collection of the tombstones from some of our suburban cemeteries will be thought exceedingly interesting but i confess to having found the urns in the museum at volterra a little monotonous and after looking at about three urns i hurried over the remaining three hundred ninety seven as fast as i could eighteen eighty nine the quick and the dead the walls of the houses in an italian village are built of brick and the roofs are covered with stone they call the stone vivo it is as though they thought bricks were like veal or mutton and stone like bits out of the living calf or sheep footnote cross-reference wamba's explanation of the saxon swine being converted into norman pork on their death ivanhoe chapter one the grape filter when the water of a place is bad it is safest to drink none that has not been filtered through either the berry of a grape or else a tub of malt these are the most reliable filters yet invented bertoli and his bees Giacomo Bertoli of Varaleo Sacia keeps a watch and clock shop in the street. He is a cheery little old gentleman, though I do not see why I should call him old, for I doubt his being so old as I am. He and I have been very good friends for years, and he is always among the first to welcome me when I go to Varallo. He is one of the most famous bee masters in Europe. He keeps some of his bees during the winter at Camasco, not very far from Varallo others in other places near and moves them up to algena at the head of the valsesia towards the end of may that they may make their honey from spring flowers and excellent honey they make about a fortnight ago i happened to meet him bringing down ten of his hives he was walking in front and was immediately followed by two women each with crates on their backs and each carrying five hives they seemed to me to be ordinary deal boxes open at the top but covered over with gauze which would keep the bees in but not exclude air 
I asked him if the bees minded the journey, and he replied that they were very angry and had a great deal to say about it. He was sure to be stung when he let them out. He said it was un lavoro improbo, and cost him a great deal of anxiety. The Lost Chord it should be the lost progression, for the young lady was mistaken in supposing she had ever heard any single chord, like the sound of a great amen, unless we are to suppose that she had already found the chord of C major for the final syllable of the word, and was seeking the chord for the first syllable, and there she is on the walls of a Milanese restaurant arpeggioing experimental harmonies in a transport of delight to advertise somebody and someone's pianos, and holding the loud pedal solidly down all the time. Her family had always been unsympathetic about her music. They said it was like a loose bundle of firewood which you never can get across the room without dropping sticks. They said she would have been so better employed doing anything else. Fancy being in the room with her while she was strumming about and hunting after her cord. Fancy being in heaven with her when she had found it. Introduction of Foreign Plants I have brought back this year some mountain auriculas and the seed of some salvia and fusio tiger lily, and mean to plant the auriculas and to sow the seeds in Epping Forest and elsewhere round about London. I wish people would more generally bring back the seeds of pleasing foreign plants and introduce them broadcast, sowing them by our wadesides and in our fields, or in whatever situation is most likely to suit them. It is true this would puzzle botanists. But there is no reason why botanists should not be puzzled. A botanist is a person whose aim is to uproot, kill, and exterminate every plant that is at all remarkable for rarity or any special virtue, and the rarer it is, the more bitterly he will hunt it down. St. Cosimo and St. Damiano at Siena Sano di Pietro shows us a heartless practical joke played by these two very naughty saints, both medical men, who should be uncanonized immediately. It seems they laid their heads together and, for some reason best known to themselves, resolved to cut a leg off a dead negro and put it onto a white man. In the one compartment they are seen in high glee cutting the negro's leg off, in the next they have gone to the white man who is in bed, obviously asleep, and are substituting the black leg for his own. Then, no doubt, they will stand behind a door and see what he does when he wakes. They must be saints because they have glories on, but it looked as though a glory is not much more to be relied on than a gig as a test of respectability. 1889 At Pienza At Pienza, after having seen the museum with a custode whom I photoed as being more like death, though in excellent health and spirits, than anyone I ever saw, I was taken to the leading college for young ladies, the Conservatorio di San Carlo, under the direction of Signora, or Signorina, I do not know which, Cecira Carletti, to see the wonderful vial of the 12th or 13th century given to Pienza by Pope Aeneas Silvius Piccolinimi, Pius II, and stolen a few years since, but recovered. Signora Carletti was copying parts of it in needlework, nor can I think that the original was ever better than the parts which she had already done. The work would take weeks or even months to examine with any fullness and volumes to describe. It is as prodigal of labor, design, and color as nature herself is. In fact, it is one of those things that nature has a right to do, but not art. It fatigues one to look at it or think upon it, and Bethos thought it be to say so. It won the first prize at the exhibitions of ecclesiastical artwork held a few years ago at Rome and at Siena. 
it has taken signora carletti months to do even the little she has done but that little must be seen to be believed for no words can do justice to it having seen the vial i was shown round the whole establishment and can imagine nothing better ordered i was taken over the dormitories very nice and comfortable and finally not without being much abashed into the room where the young ladies were engaged upon needlework it reminded me of nothing so much as of the education of the virgin chapel at oropa footnote see a medieval girl school in essays on life art and science and footnote i was taken to each young lady and did my best to acquit myself properly in praising her beautiful work but beautiful as the work of one and all was it could not compare with that of signora carletti i asked her if she could not get some of the young ladies to help her in the less important parts of her work but she said she preferred doing it all herself they all looked well and happy and as though they were well cared for as i am sure they are then signora carletti took me to the top of the house to show me the meteorological room of which she is superintendent and which is in connection with the main meteorological observatory at rome again i found everything in admirable order and left the house not a little pleased and impressed with everything i have seen homer's hot and cold springs the following extract is taken from a memorandum butler made of a visit he paid to greece and the trode in the spring of eighteen ninety five in the iliad twenty two one forty five homer mentions hot and cold springs where the trojan women used to wash their clothes there are no such springs near hisselurk where they ought to be but the american consul at the dardanelles told butler there was something of the kind on mount ida at the sources of the scamander and he determined to see them after visiting hiserlik he was provided with an interpreter Jacob, an attendant ahmed an escort of one soldier and a horse he went first to the consul's farm at thymbra about five miles from hiserlik where he spent the night and found it all very like a first-class new zealand sheep station the next day he went to hiserlik and saw no reason for disagreeing with the received opinion that it is the site of troy he then proceeded to bunabarshi and so to bermich passing on the way a sawmill where there was a government official with twenty soldiers under him this official was much interested in the traveller and directed his men to take carpets and a dish of trout caught that morning in the scamander and carry them up to the hot and cold springs while he himself accompanied butler so they set off and the official ishmael showed him the way and pointed out the springs and there is a long note about the hot and cold water and now let me return to ismail gusbashi the excellent turkish official who by the way was with me during all my examination of the springs and whose assurances of their twofold temperature i should have found it impossible to doubt even though i had not caught one warmer cupful myself his men while we were at the springs had spread a large turkey carpet on the flower bespangled grass under the trees and there were three smaller rugs at three of the corners on these ismail and Jacob and i took our places the other two were cross-legged but i reclining anyhow the sun shimmered through the spring foliage i saw two hobos and many beautiful birds whose names i knew not through the trees i could see the snow-fields of ida far above me but it was hopeless to think of reaching them the soldiers and ahmed cooked the trout and the eggs all together then we had boiled eggs bread and cheese and of course more lamb's liver done on skewers like cat's meat i ate with my pocket-knife the others using their fingers in true homeric fashion 
when we had put from us the desire of meat and drink ismail began to talk to me he said he had now for the first time in his life found himself in familiar conversation with wisdom from the west that was me and that as he greatly doubted whether such another opportunity would ever be vouchsafed to him he should wish to consult me upon a matter which had greatly exercised him he was now fifty years old and had never married sometimes he thought he had done a wise thing and sometimes it seemed to him that he had been very foolish would i kindly tell him which it was and advise him as to the future i told him he was addressing one who was in much the same condition as himself only that i was some ten years older we had a saying in england that if a man marries he will regret it and that if he does not marry he will regret it ah said ismail who was leaning towards me and trying to catch every word i spoke though he could not understand a syllable till yakub interpreted my italian into turkish ah he said that is a true word in my younger days i said may heaven forgive me i had been passionately in love with a most beautiful young lady but and here my voice faltered and i looked very sad waiting for Jacob to interpret what I had said. But it had been the will of Allah that she should marry another gentleman, and this had broken my heart for many years. After a time, however, I concluded that these things were all settled for us by a higher power. Ah, that is a true word. And so, my dear sir, in your case I should reflect that if Allah, and I raised my hand to heaven, had desired your being married, he would have signified his will to you in some way that you could hardly mistake as he does not appear to have done so i should recommend you to remain single until you receive some distinct intimation that you are to marry ah that is a true word besides i continued suppose you marry a woman with whom you think you are in love and then find out after you have been married to her for three months that you do not like her this would be a very painful situation ah yes indeed that is a true word and if you had children who were good and dutiful it would be delightful but suppose they turned out disobedient and ungrateful and i have known many such cases could anything be more distressing to a parent in his declining years ah that is a true word that you have spoken we have a great imam i continued in england he is called the archbishop of canterbury and gives answers to people who are in any kind of doubt or difficulty I knew one gentleman who asked his advice upon the very question that you have done me the honor of propounding to myself. Ah, and what was his answer? He told him, said I, that it was cheaper to buy the milk than to keep a cow. Ah, ah, that is a most true word. Here I closed the conversation and we began packing up to make a start. When we were about to mount, I said to him, hat in hand, sir it occurs to me with great sadness that though you will no doubt often revisit this lovely spot yet it is most certain that i shall never do so promise me that when you come here you will sometimes think of the stupid old englishman who has had the pleasure of lunching with you to-day and i promise that i will often think of you when i am at home again in london he was much touched and we started after we had gone about a mile i suddenly missed my knife I knew I would want it badly many a time before we got to the Dardanelles, and I knew perfectly well where I should find it, so I stopped the cavalcade and said I must ride back for it. I did so, found it immediately, and returned. Then I said to Ismail, Sir, I understand now why I was led to leave my knife behind me. I had said it was certain I should never see that enchanting spot again, but I spoke presumptuously, forgetting that if Allah, and I raised my hand to heaven, willed it, I should assuredly do so. I am corrected, and with great leniency. Ismael was much affected. 
the good fellow immediately took off his watch-chain happily of brass and of no intrinsic value and gave it to me assuring me that it was given him by a very dear friend that he had worn it for many years and valued it greatly would i keep it as a memorial of himself fortunately i had with me a little silver match-box which alfred had given me and which had my name engraved on it i gave it to him but had some difficulty in making him accept it then we rode on till we came to the sawmills i ordered two lambs for the ten soldiers who had accompanied us having understood from jacob that this would be an acceptable present and so i parted from this most kind and friendly gentleman with every warm expression of cordiality on both sides i sent him his photograph which i had taken and i sent his soldiers their groups also one for each man and in due course i received the following letter of thanks alas i have never written an answer i knew not how to do it i knew however that i could not keep up a correspondence even though i wrote once but few unanswered letters more often rise up and smite me how the post office people ever read buter kaforison street into butler clifford's inn i cannot tell what splendid emendators of a corrupt text they ought to make but i could almost wish that they had failed for it has pained me not a little that i have not replied mr samuel buter number fifteen Zivoren street london england dardanelles august four ninety five mr samuel england my dear friend many thanks for the photograph you have sent me it was very kind of you to think of me to send me this token of your remembrance i certainly appreciate it and shall think of you whenever i look at it ah my dear brother it is impossible for me to forget you under favorable circumstance i confess i must prefer you i have a great desire to have the beautiful chance to meet you ah then with the tears of gladness to be the result of the great love of our friendness a my sir what pen can describe the meeting that shall become with your second visit if it please god it is my prey to our lord god to protect you and to keep you glad and happy forever though we are far from each other yet we can speak with letters thank god to have your love of friendness with me and mine with your noble person hoping to hear from you yours truly ismail from byramich hizar memuru issue bashi end of section twenty three